Okay, everybody, welcome to the Gemara here. We are on Bayes, Ahmed Bayes of Masechta Brachos. And we want to know when we may begin reciting Shema at night. Kriya Shema Shal Arvis. So now our Mishnah told us when that was, that it is when the Kohanim come home to eat their truma, which we explained after having become Tameh in some way. The Kohen then goes to the mikvah, but may not resume eating truma until uh, it is night, which we explained means Tzais HaKochavim, at least according to that view that explained the Mishnah. So we know when the stars come out, that is when the Kohanim may eat their truma. That is when Jews may begin saying Shema. Then the Gemara introduced us, though, to some other opinions, meaning that this opinion of the Mishnah as to when to start saying Shema is not the only opinion, which is interesting. I'll just point out as a reminder, the Mishnah had no problem telling us that there are three views as to when to stop saying Shema. But when it came to the issue of when to start saying the Shema, the Mishnah just wanted to make it look like there's just one opinion. Then the Gemara gets into it and says, guess what? There's not only one opinion on the matter. There might be another. So the for Gemara's first suggestion that there was another was by quoting a Brisa, telling us that the time to start saying Shema is when a poor person comes home and eats his bread with salt. The Gemara wanted to say, well, maybe they're not arguing at all. Maybe these, meaning the Mishnah and the Brisa, are two ways of saying the same thing for different audiences. Right? We like to minimize the machlokas. That is the general trend of a Gemara, is to minimize how much argument there is, unless there's no choice. So then the Gemara said, well, I don't think so, because we have yet another b'risa. And what is the, the other b'risa? So yet this other b'risa is telling us that there is a this Bryce is phrased as a machlokas between Rebbe Meir and the Chachamim. We haven't even heard about Rebbe Meir until now, <laughs> at least on this topic, of course. And Rebbe Meir's takes a third descriptor of when to start saying Shema, which is not a, not a Kohen, not a poor person, but a regular person. But a regular person on Friday night. B'nai Adam on Erev Shabbos, Arve Shabbosos with the Chachamim giving an opinion that sounds the same as the Kohen opinion, even though it's using different words. So, but this one says Kohen and regular person on Friday night. Okay, so now the Gemara, this is all working through last week's class, then goes through a little bit of a, uh, I don't want to use the word game, but the Gemara is trying to figure out if we could suggest that we are still left with only two opinions. But let's make it two opinions and not three opinions. On the one hand, the, the three opinions, well, I'll call them three phrases are Kohen, poor person, regular person on Friday night. The Gemara said, well, maybe the poor person and the Kohen are the same thing. And then, but then they said, and so if the poor person and the Kohen are talking about at the same time, then how are you fitting in our Friday night person? 
Is your Friday night person fitting into the, is he the poor man? Is he the same as the poor man? Or is he the same as the Kohen? Now I'll stop and just point out, one could work on this from a, I call, we could argue the sociology of it, right? All of us could just sit back and wonder, well, when does a poor person eat? When does a regular person eat on Friday night? And even though that it could be a fruitful discussion, because it could lead to all sorts of conversations as to the halachos and the minhagim, as to when to start Shabbos, right? After all, there is a Gemara elsewhere that says that one should start Shabbos early. And there were noted Amarayim who did begin Shabbos early, <clears throat> and which is the basis for the practice in much of North America nowadays to start Shabbos early in the summers. A practice that really didn't reach Eretz Yisrael until this past generation with the influx of more olim, right? I even remember, and I mean, this is somewhat recent. When I was in Israel in 96, 97, I came in Elul, so it was still summertime. And at least where I lived in Yerushalayim, I'm not familiar with now Beit Shemesh and Ramat Beit Shemesh. You couldn't find an early minion on Friday night. It's simply something that was not part of Israeli life uh, at the time. I have been told by people who have visited more recently that it has become more part of Israeli life, thanks in large measure to the Americans who have, who have moved there. But my point is, we could talk about this all day long, but that's clearly not the way the Gemara is addressing this. The Gemara is just addressing this as how many opinions there are. And right now, we want to suggest that we can still leave it at two opinions. Yes, there are three descriptors, but we are only forced to say there are two opinions because we only so far have one brysa that says that there's a machlokas. Machlokas between Kohen and Friday Nightmare. And then the question is, where does the poor man fall in? We would like to say right now, the attitude of the Gemara is, that the poor man is not a third time. The poor man is either Friday night man or Kohen man, but not a third opinion. <clears throat> that is a theory that Rashi quotes, Rashi says that the poor person, the meaning of our poor person here is that because he can't, he's really poor, he can't afford lighting. So he doesn't have a lamp. That's why he would like to begin eating earlier. However, I could suggest, and I believe Tosos will suggest this at some point, that the poor, perhaps the poor person is poor because He's trying to scrape together his last pennies and is therefore working very late at night. So it's, it's not clear right now. The Gemara is going to work, try to work through which times are earlier, which times are later in a section that will at least begin today. I don't know if we'll complete the section today. This whole conversation, if you're curious, we are right now a little below the center of the page on Bezom and Bayes. This current sugya, sugya means this current conversation on this matter, continues until the top of Gimel Amaral. So that's where this will take us.
Okay, so now, again, we wanted to suggest that there are two opinions. The Kohen is synonymous with the poor man. Well, I guess, again, we're suggesting. And then the poor, the, uh, the man on the Arab Shabbos, Friday, is our second opinion. Now the Gemara is going to knock that down. Uraminhu. Remember what Raminhu means. It's an important word when learning Gemara, which is I'm going to throw a challenge at what you are saying. Again, the challenge is with another Brisa. What we had seen last week, remember we, if you listen to the class, or whether you're here or listen to it uh, online, is that that was the Tosefta. The Tosefta's were written, I said yesterday it was Rabbi Hoshaya, but then I reviewed, the Raman says that the Tosefta was written by Rabbi Chia, another Talmud of Rebbe, who wrote like an expanded version of the Mishnah, but meaning the same level of authority as a Mishnah, but in he put it in a more organized form. Brisas have no organization as we have them. Or I'll put it this way. If somebody did collect them together in a book, we don't have that book. Meaning we have a book called Tosefta. We have no such work called Brisa. We have just the Brises that we see are scattered throughout Shas. That, that's how we know of them. So here's our Raminhu. Here's the next challenge. And this one's a doozy compared to what we've seen before. From when do we begin to recite the Shema in the evening? Okay, so now Rabbi Eliezer, who we heard in our Mishnah, when he said that you have until the first watch, this Bryce is saying that Rabbi Eliezer says, it's different than when a man eats, right? That was the description earlier. Here it's just when the day becomes holy on Arab Shabbos. That's keep that in mind. That's our first opinion in the Mishnah. Now, what could you say this means? So I'll tell you what Rashi says, but don't get stuck on it because it could mean other things. But Rashi right now says, Hainu Ben Hashmashos. Ben Hashmashos we generally refer to as that time where it is starting to get dark, meaning after sunset. But we're going to see it's a little more complicated than that, but meaning from the time that the day becomes holy, meaning according to Rashi, that means the time that we would tell everybody, I hope you're not doing any more work. It's over. Meaning, oh, I didn't like candles. Too late. Meaning then that the day is already holy. It isn't dark, dark yet. It has started to get dark and therefore stop doing any malacha. That is Rabbi Eliezer. Next, opinion number two in this b'raisa. Rabbi Yehoshua Omer, Mishasha HaKonim Mitoharim Lechol B'Trumasan. From the time that the Kohanim are <clears throat> purified to eat their truma. Interestingly, He's not staring at the Kohen's house to see when he's walking in. But it sounds like it's talking about the same thing. Maybe when he left the mikvah, you know, something like that. Even though if you go to like those archaeological digs in Yerushalayim, like the burnt house, that area, it seems that many of the Kohanim had mikvahs in their house or, you know, at least in the, in the apartment complex. 
you know, that, that they had it over there. But when the Kohanim are purified to eat their truma, right now we'll assume that means the same thing because it sounds like because that's the first time they're allowed to eat as we had seen before. Not necessarily. He might be home half an hour later, but he's really not okay when he leaves the mikvah. That's an excellent, excellent point, which has bothered me for 30 years. It sounds to me, from what I had learned from what we saw in Parsha's Emor when we first started learning this, that in the just the theory of it, there's no problem with the Kohen going to the mikvah at 9 a.m. and he's just in a waiting pattern until sundown and then, or say, Sekhovim, right? So, meaning he accidentally touched a dead weasel, right? So now he's coming. What? There are two parts to become Tahar the mikvah and sundown. But the mikvah doesn't have to be once. Certainly doesn't have to be. It should not be after sundown. It needs to be before dark. Well, let's call it before dark, as we'll see. But it could be one minute before dark. It doesn't. But it could also be ten hours before dark. I mean, if the Cohen accidentally, let's say, Cohen leaves Shul in the morning. It's eight a.m. and uh, he accidentally notices that you know whatever. You you know he touches something coming. So he says, "Great." I can't eat truma today. I have to wait till I come home from, you know, at night to eat truma. But, you know, it's eight in the morning. I have to go to work. I'll go to the mikvah now. The mikvah's open. I'll go to the mikvah now. And then I'll just wait until tonight at 9 p.m. And then I will eat my truma. That's fine. It seems, and like I said, I've been thinking about this for 30 years. That the reason why the Gemara <coughs> or the Bryces are going to assume that they're going at night is because going said, listen, I kicked one rat off the curb at, at 8 a.m. I might kick another rat off the curb at 5 p.m. Meaning the smart thing to do is just to wait until later this evening and do it then. And that way I'll be fine uh, to eat truma. Okay, so let's review. Rabbi Lazar says, when the day becomes holy on Arab Shabbos. Rabbi Yoshua says, from time the Kohanim are purified to eat truma. Rabbi Meir, ah, we heard him before. Omer Mishasha HaKohanim Tovlim, Lechol Bitrumasan. Rabbi Meir says, from the time that the Kohanim not are purified, from the time they're tovling, they're, they're, from the time they are immersing in the mikvah. So first of all, we have a, we're going to have a little bit of a problem if you've been keeping track of the names over here, because Rabbi Meir was the first guy to say up above there from the time that people come in to eat their bread on Erev Shabbos. Now he's saying from the time that the Kohanim are toiveling, that they're immersing in the mikvah. So now this brisa is not going to question the earlier brisa. But this brisa has within its own text, Omar lo Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda doesn't like this. He says, wait a second. Rabbi Mary, you're making no sense. The Kohen has to go to the mikvah while it's still day. Meaning the process that is described in Parshas Emor 
is that the Kohen needs to first go to the mikvah during the day, and then Ubo HaShemesh, which was the whole hoopla earlier, then the sun sets, Vitaher, and he becomes pure. But the order is very clear. First mikvah, then Ba HaShemesh. How can you say, now that we're talking Kriya Shema, that it's okay to start saying Shema when the Kohen is going, even though I would think that that is already after sunset that he's traveling in the mikvah. So the, the brysa, meaning we are now within the text of this brysa, allows Rabbi Yehuda to have the last word on Rabbi Meir. Right? It's like Rabbi Meir said something, and Rabbi Yehuda said, that doesn't make any sense. Ooh, okay, Rabbi Meir, what do you say back? The brysa says, we're not telling you. Rabbi Hanina Omer, meaning Rabbi Meir, the Gemara wants to give Rabbi Meir the last word at the end of this page. The end of this Amud, I mean, we're going to get to it in about 10 lines, is going to allow someone to defend Rebbe Mayer's position. But right now, the Brisa is not concerned with that. Brisa is just going through the different opinions, which again, Rebbe Eliezer says it's when the day becomes holy on Friday. Rebbe Yeshua says it's when the Kohanim are purified. Rebbe Mayer says it's even before that. It's when they're actually titling, which makes it sound, to address what you said, Rob, that they preferred to go, and it was the assumption that they were going, let's call it the last possible minute, meaning that they weren't doing it at 8 a.m. They are doing it at 8 p.m. or whatever. Rabbi Hanina, what do you have to say? Ah, now we have a name right, to that opinion. Remember, when we first quoted that Brisa earlier at the top of the page, there was no name. It was an anonymous brisa that we had. Now we have a name with that opinion. And it is the name of Rabbi Hanina. And he says, right, when the poor man comes to eat his bread with salt. Rabbi Acha, you can understand how they might have been confused as to which rabbi it was with such similar names. Acha, Achai. Omer Mishasha, Adam, Nichnasin Lahaseb. From the time that most people enter in order to, interesting, recline. Now, that doesn't mean that we're talking about the Seder, <laughs> right? Because as you know from the Manashtana, people on all nights of the year either sit or recline. So you can have people coming and reclining, meaning relaxing at the end of the day. Right, you could imagine when dad would come home, sit in the recliner, you know, or, or something like that. <coughs> okay, yes, right, right. We don't have to assume that, meaning there's people did recline. The what makes us, and what you're asking is a fair point. So what makes us think that reclining is only what nobility do because of what we do at the Seder is because nobility only reclines. Meaning when the nobility are having their meal, a la Roman symposium style. They are reclining. 
other people did and could recline as well. So especially because the language is rov b'nei adam, which means most people, most people, like I mentioned a few weeks ago, are not rich. <laughs> so most people are just people, you know, especially in those days, you could even, they would probably be referred to as, as poor. But most people, meaning we're not talking about the poorest of the poor. Okay, so now we have all of these different opinions. And I just want to point out, this Brisa leaves us no choice but to understand that there are multiple opinions. We can no longer minimize the Machlokas because this Brisa is telling us that a Kohen, another opinion is telling us a poor person, another opinion is telling us Shabbos, another opinion is telling us Rovne Adam, and then a fifth opinion telling us another way to calculate or to watch what the Kohanim are doing. So if I have my numbers straight, this Brisa just quoted us five opinions. And obviously none of these five opinions are allowed to agree with each other because they are, the way the Brisa is phrased, these five people are all talking to one another and they're all arguing with one another. Unlike the other Brisa, which was a separate text, which we could have said is not arguing with the Mishnah, it's just another way of saying the same thing. These five men are talking with each other and in conflict with one another as far as what the opinion is. Okay? So having said that, I'm going to show you now how the Gemara says the same thing. So... This is now we've where we are leaving the Brisa and entering the Gemara talking about the Brisa. If you wanna, if you claim, as you did earlier, that the Ani and the Kohen are in fact the same time, just from two different points of view, then Rabbi Hanina Hainu Rabbi Hoshua then Rabbi Hanina is the same opinion as Rabbi Hoshua. And that obviously doesn't work because they're arguing with each other. Keep in, keeping track. Rabbi Yeshua said it's when the Kohanim are purified. And Rabbi Hanina said it's when the poor man eats his bread with salt. They're in conflict. So your earlier theory <laughs> collapses. Okay. So now what do you want to do? You want to make the, you want to argue, you want to conclude from here. Should we not conclude from here? Shiura da'ani l'chud, the time that is called the time of the poor person is one opinion. Vishiura the kohen l'chud, and the opinion, and the time of the kohen is another distinct time. Shmamina. That This is the conclusion. This is what we hear from this which means this is the conclusion. Now, for the first time, the Gemara itself is going to entertain the question, well, when is this? Which one is later? Meaning, the Kohen is clear. Kohen we know is Tesach but now if you want to tell me that the poor person is not Tzitzah Kochavim, 
mean, because it's not the same as the Kohen. So when is that? When, like, let's work this through. When is this time called when the poor person eats his bread with salt? So watch how the Gemara handles this while using the other opinions of that Brisa to anchor its view of all of this. Mistabra, Mistabra only means it stands to reason. It's logical, it's reasonable. The anime uchar, that the poor person is the later time. Dio Marta de Ani Mukdam. Why is that reasonable? Because if you want to argue that the poor person, his time is before Tesakokabim. Rabbi Hanina Hainu Rabbi Eliezer. Then Rabbi Hanina, who's the poor man got view, is the same as Rabbi Eliezer. Which one's Rabbi Eliezer, you ask? Let's go back to the text. Rabbi Eliezer said, it is the time when the, 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 the Shabbos becomes holy. When the Shabbos becomes holy. So poor person in Shabbos becoming holy, which we'll call Shkia for the moment, can't be the same thing. So therefore, the only option we're left with is something later. Shmamina. That's how the Gemara concludes. So now, I'll stop there because I've been very bothered by this. Because why should that be the case? Meaning, there are, there are all sorts of times, <laughs> you know? Meaning, let's call it this way. Let's say, and Rashi has some distinct opinions about this. Let's say that Shkia is 8 p.m. What time do you want to make this echo cup? 8.15? Right, talking, let's say, the Middle East, right? Gets darker quicker. So 8 and 8.15. So Kiddush Hayom is 8. Tzisek Ochavim is 8.15, right? So, so El, Rabbi Eliezer says you have 8. Rabbi uh, Yehoshua says, no, it's when the Kohanim come in to eat. So it's 8.15. Now we have our poor man. The Gemara says, I, poor man, what time are you saying? What time are you eating dinner? The Gemara says, well, it's not the same as the Kohen time. Okay, so is it before Kohen time or after Kohen time? Is it before 8.15 or after 8.15? Well, it can't be before, because if it's before, then you're in Rabbi Eliezer land. 8 o'clock. So say, why am I stuck with 8 o'clock? I have 8.01. I have 8.02. I have 8.03. I have 8.04. I can keep on going. I have 8.14. Why are you saying, sorry, it's like 8.15 or it's 8? Like it's one of the problems nowadays with uh, when you try to skip ahead to a certain minute or second on uh, like on an EDD or on a like they don't let you get that precise moment the way that you could when you had a, a tape or, you know, to get that second. Sometimes it's hard. You're, you're skipping because the, the sound increments, you know, uh, skip a few seconds. But this Gemara is assuming there is nothing in between. So I will now point you and we'll stop here for today. With this, there's a Tosos over here. 
The Tosus is the second Tosus from the bottom on Beis Amud Beis. Ve'i is the opening word. Okay? So Tosus says as follows. Ve'i sal kadaitach da'ani kadim. If you want to suggest that the poor man is before the Kohen, Rabbi Hanina hainu Rabbi Eliezer, then Rabbi Hanina would be the same view as Rabbi Eliezer, which is impossible. Zog Taisus, so Tosus says, answering in effect my problem, We can't say, meaning the Gemara can't find it within itself, to suggest that the poor person is either before Kiddush Hayom or the Kiddush Hayom is before the Ani. Why not? It's not reasonable to split it up and to make another cut in time in the Zmanim in the shiurim, meaning, right, like the correct times, of the time to go to sleep. The manim halalu ispe, to say that there are these many times. So basically what Tosfos is saying, which is a very big deal in the way that we, nowadays we, approach the whole topic of zmanim. Right, I've had conversations with certain people in shul, you know, like the, where we, t- we speak about, oh, what time is the earliest time for this? And what time is clog? And what time is shkia? And what time is sezekakavim? Nowadays, with, a, with clocks and with watches, forget about atomic clocks, just all the clocks. There are so many minutes. You have 60 minutes in an hour, and it divides into 60 seconds per minute. But Tosus is saying, it's not reasonable to think that way. Why isn't it reasonable to think that way? You make a time. It's a time. That's it. You can make a time where you make whatever times you want. Because we're talking about what time people are going to sleep. We're talking about real life. When you're dealing with real life, there are not minutes and seconds. There are observations of the way life works. So, on what basis is the poor man finding some weird time to eat between one and the other? Of course, I could say there's a time called 8.07, which is in between 8 and 8.15. But it doesn't stand to reason that there's yet another time. Why would there be another time for that? Let me put it another way. And I I think I've mentioned this before, maybe not in this year. But I, I have a rant that I like doing sometimes when I talk with my fellow uh, Canadians. We talk about the metric system. So one of the things I point about the metric system is that while many people who are in the world of science have told me that the metric system is much more convenient when you're in a laboratory setting, when you want to figure out how to measure things. But in real life, most of the metric system does not match reality at all. Meaning people who work for a living and deal with real life stuff, inches matter, feet matter. In the metric system, it rarely matters 
you know, a centimeter here, a centimeter there, meaning people don't think there are very few things in the world that are actually one centimeter long, you know, or eight centimeters long, you know, inches. And this is why the U.S. is still stuck on the old imperial system, meaning it's a real it's a system that deals with real life. So coming back to here, you know, I'm not going to go on with my rant of centimeters and decameters and, you know, all these weird decimeters, you know, that, that, that are not used. What the Gemara is saying is that in terms of real life, the sun has set or it's now dark outside. That's when you can argue people are going to sleep. There's no natural time where people are doing something else. This is what Tosus is saying, to make another time. What you can suggest is that, like I said, I keep on using the word, but sociologically, you could say that a poor person is starting his, his meal later because he was out trying to earn yet one more kopek or, you know, one more penny. And then he will end his meal quickly because it's getting, it's so dark that he doesn't want to be sitting in the dark for too long. So he'll finish his meal. But it's about real life. It's not about the ability to yet make another slice in your time to find them doing that. So that is, according to Tosus, why the Gemara says the Ani has to be after. Because yes, there are many seconds in between Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Hanina's position, but there are no actual life events that change what time a person is going to sleep between those two times. And what we have to remember when this, we're having this whole conversation is the mazos, as I once put it. What are we talking about? Yes, there are five opinions, yashikaya. What are we talking about? We're talking about what time do people go to sleep? Or what is the time right before people go to sleep? Because when you're actually sleeping, you can't say shema. So meaning, what is that time right before you go to sleep? When is that? And so we observe society the way that works. Poor people, kohanim, regular people, meaning that's, that's our choice. So we have these observations. We can't just be making 20 separations. This one says 801, this one says 802, this one says 803. Tell me about real life. So real life is either shkia, or Tzesekochavim, or after Tzesekochavim, because people are too poor. But there's no reasonable basis to make another split between Shkia and Tzesekochavim, okay? So now, I'll just point out one more thing, just to close for now, for today. I mentioned a few classes ago that the, the two opinions that we had when I mentioned this, were the Kohen and the poor person, right? Meaning, what is the right way for a person to orient his Yiddishkeit? You can orient your Yiddishkeit by looking at holy people and watch what they do and do what you can to emulate them. That's the idea of paying attention to when the Kohanim are doing their thing. Or, and they can exist together, you, a person can orient his Yiddishkeit by looking out for the people who are who are in need of help, right? So that's what you have, Balei Chesed, Balei Tzedakah, this is what they do. They look at people who are in need. 
There's a pasuk in Tehillim. I think it's Mem Aleph or Mem Some forty-one. Ashrei Maskil El Dal. Fortunate is the one who pays attention to the to the poor man. What, what does it mean to the poor man? Meaning he pays attention to see people who are in need. So what I just want to point out is that we've sort of picked up on a third category, Bnei Adam, but the Bnei Adam that we are paying attention to are not just regular Bnei Adam. It's, it's Bnei Adam on Shabbos. We also discover regular Bnei Adam as well now. But why Bnei Adam on Shabbos? Because if you want to know how do you orient your Yiddishkeit, think about Shabbos. Think how you behave on Shabbos. Right? I'll give you a quick example. This is really outside of the realm of Kriyashma. But we sort of know, let's say you're sitting at your dinner table, whether it's with your wife, whether it's with your family, and it's Shabbos. And someone brings up some sort of financial business issue. And you start talking about business, you start talking about money and financial things and malacha. So on Shabbos, someone might say, politely, I hope, you know, Shabbos, you know, and then the people at the table can be reminded, oh, it's Shabbos, you're right, you know, let's sort of try to move the conversation elsewhere. But that's not a bad idea during the week as well. Obviously, people, couples have to talk about their finances, but is that what you want, you know, the dinner conversation to always be about? No. So it's a good idea to look at the way that you act on Shabbos and bring that, you know, into your ruchnius as well. That's something uh, to keep in mind. I have heard from many people, it's been a very big deal online, where many non-Jewish people, when commenting on the, on smartphones, point out, ah, how wonderful it is. These Jews have something called Shabbos. They don't bring their phones to the table. <laughs> you know, and that's great. Because that's great during the week as well. And I advise people all the time, not only Shabbos, the other six days of the week, that during mealtime, you know, let alone other times, you know, davening, whatever. But I mean, during mealtime, the, uh, you know, the phone shouldn't be there, you know, just because it impedes communication. So this is just pointing out. <laughs> Everyone's a solicitor now, you know. <laughs> but anyway, so that's the idea. You look to the Kohen, you look to those in need. You look to your Shabbos as an example. And then I think the point, regular people, when people come into, because there is an idea of minhag. And what is minhag? Minhag is what people do. And that is often instructive as well. Not always are the majority of people right. Obviously, we know very often the majority of people are wrong. <laughs> but it's worth looking and paying attention to that as well. All right. I'm going to shut down here. Ted, Lou, good to see you. Thank you, Rabbi. Hope you're feeling good, Ted. Getting better. Okay, good. Looking forward to seeing you in person. Yeah, pretty Back. soon as well. Okay. okay, good. All right. Take care, everyone. I'm shutting down here. Yeah.